I'm Dan Silver from U.S. Economic Research at J.P. Morgan, and you're listening to At Any Rate, our global research podcast, where we take a look at the story behind some of the biggest trends, themes, and industries in markets today. Global pandemic associated with COVID-19 has had a significant impact on the U.S. economy and the labor market, and recently, the Bureau of Labor Statistics released the May U.S. Jobs Report. Leading up to this release, we at J.P. Morgan and many other economists expected another month with substantial job losses and another jump in the unemployment rate but the May data looked much more favorable than expectations. There were about 2.5 million jobs added in the count of non-farm payroll employment, and the unemployment rate moved down from 14.7% in April to 13.3% in May. I'm joined by my colleague, Jesse Edgerton, also from U.S. Economic Research, to talk about the latest report and how we see the economy responding to recent developments associated with COVID-19. Jesse, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Dan. There were historic job losses in April, but the May report looked much better. Jesse, to start out, can you talk about what we saw in the May data? Sure. Well, as you know, we were expecting another large decline in job losses with something like 8 million jobs lost. And instead, we got an increase of 2.5 million and a decline in the unemployment rate. So I think we knew we would see something like this at some point in the economy when things are bouncing back from COVID-19 and businesses are reopening but we weren't expecting it to happen just yet, so it was a surprise to us to see it today. I think it also was rather puzzling relative to what we've seen in some of the other labor market indicators that we normally pay attention to, which is something that I know you've done a lot of work on. So can you tell us about what you've been seeing in the unemployment claims numbers lately? Sure. So as you mentioned, I think this is a bit of a puzzle as we translate the unemployment claims data to the payroll number and the unemployment data. In the claims reports, which is one of the most high-profile reports we're getting each week, We've seen initial claims filings, which represent new filings for unemployment insurance. These have come down pretty steadily since late in March. So we saw a surge in filings as layoffs picked up once the virus spread and we had sharp restrictions on activity. But it appears that those layoffs have been moderating over time. And those numbers are still pretty high by historic standards, but certainly a lot lower than what we saw a few months back. But what we've also seen is the continuing claims count which represents the people actually receiving benefits each week. That has moved up pretty substantially since March. And we've seen increases both in the count of regular claims filings that go through the regular state programs and also in some of these other programs that have been put in place in response to the pandemic. We've seen pretty massive filings in those as well. So in the most recent numbers, there are about 20 million continuing claims filed in regular state programs and about 11 million claims filed in these other programs. As we were watching those numbers and looking at those numbers ahead of the payroll report, you know, as you mentioned, we were surprised because we were expecting more job losses to be reported in monthly numbers, but we saw was actually you know, a favorable surprise with an increase in employment. So how do you understand that difference? Like you said, there are something like 31 million people right now receiving unemployment insurance benefits, but yet we've only seen a net loss of a little less than 20 million jobs in the payroll numbers at this point. So do you have a sense of what's driving that gap? Yeah, so we definitely have some theories. I think it's hard to know for sure. But one thing to keep in mind is that the claims numbers are coming from a different source than the employment numbers. So the claims numbers are coming through state agencies. People are filing for benefits each week in different types of programs. And what we've seen a lot of news stories about is there's been delays in filings and backlogs and people having problems filing for benefits. And when we know there are all these issues, we've also seen some reporting errors where states have actually reported the wrong numbers in terms of the reports that we get, and they've had to correct those numbers. So there's potentially a lot of reasons here as to why the numbers we're getting from week to week aren't really corresponding with real-world developments over those same time periods. So that's one possible explanation to why there's a gap. 
And the other thing is just there's different sampling taking place. So it's possible that people filing for benefits for unemployment insurance and the claim numbers, they're not getting picked up in the surveys that are being reflected in the monthly jobs numbers. So there's definitely some differences here. You know, I think the gap between what we saw over the past few weeks in the claims numbers and what we saw in May employment number is pretty substantial and you know, maybe hard to dismiss completely. But there's certainly some possible explanations here for why they could be different. Now, thinking more broadly about the economy, I know you've been doing a lot of work tracking different measures of activity on a high-frequency basis, and we actually now have some data covering early June at this point. So what are the things you're looking at, and what are they telling us about how the economy has performed lately now that many areas have started to ease restrictions that were put in place in response to the virus spread? Sure. I would actually give some of these big data sources a little credit here for anticipating this pickup. So it's definitely been true that things like the credit card spending numbers that we're now getting internally from Chase did pick up pretty noticeably between April and May. And then we've also seen some increases in other things like restaurant reservations on opentable.com, these mobility numbers coming from Apple and Google, some of the employment numbers from some other providers like Homebase and revenue numbers from Wampley. A number of these things did pick up between April and May, and I think actually were useful, perhaps in hindsight anyway, in foreshadowing this increase in employment that we got in the report today. I would still caution, though, that there are some other parts of the economy where even these high-frequency indicators haven't picked up much at all. So if you look at the movie box office numbers that we get every week, for example, those are still basically stuck at zero. You know, the number of people flying on airlines in the U.S. is still down something like 85%. There's still basically nobody riding the subway in New York, et cetera. So there are still chunks of the economy where activity really has not yet returned at this point. So I think you want to balance those two different sector stories when you're thinking about the overall picture here. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. And also, we should keep in mind that May jobs numbers were significant upside surprises. But if we think about the changes over the past few months, we're still in a lot worse shape than we were before the virus spread. So we had two and a half million jobs added in May, but employment still down substantially relative to what we had been seeing before March. And I think also you mentioned different indicators sending different messages. And I think we've also seen some divergence across different regions. Can you talk about that? I know we've seen some areas where things have uh, opened up pretty quickly and some areas where things are still to be restricted in terms of limitations on activity. Yeah, that is true. It's more than a month now since the stay-at-home orders were lifted in some of the earlier states like Texas and Georgia. And we have seen somewhat of a greater pickup in activity in those places. You can definitely see it very clearly, for example, in those open table diner numbers. Somewhat less so, I would say, in the Chase credit card spending data that we're getting. You know, I would say I'm surprised by how little of a gap there is between, say, Texas and New York in the credit card spending numbers. So there has been some divergence there, but as I mentioned earlier, there are still big sectors of the economy that are closed everywhere, right? So large gatherings are still banned pretty much in every state, as far as I know, and nobody's going to the movies anywhere still, basically, as far as we can tell in the data. There are no large sporting events happening. Sounds like the NBA is going to play the rest of the season with no fans in Orlando, things like that. So again, even in the places where we are seeing some things bounce back, not everything is bouncing back. Yeah, and I think as we look across this broad range of data and all these different measures, it certainly seems like activity has been picking up, but there's a long way to go before we return to the pre-virus norms. So how do you see things playing out from here going forward? Well, there's a lot of uncertainty, of course. Personally, I feel like I'm a little on the pessimistic side about how extended of a V-shaped recovery we can see here. I think we've always thought that we would see at least a rapid rebound 
from the very bottom when things start reopening, which is the kind of thing that I think we're seeing right now, where if you go from restaurants being forced to be closed to allowing them to open, you're going to see a big rise from a low base in terms of activity. I think it's still my view that the virus is still enough of a threat in most people's minds that I think we're going to be far from 100% of people being comfortable going back to restaurants, going back to the movie theater, going back to malls, things like that. So I'm thinking we're going to get a partial, perhaps rapid rebound for a couple months here, which seems to have started already. But then I'm thinking we're going to get to some place that is less than 100% of where we were before we kind of start to flatten off and plateau for a while there. Yeah, that definitely does make sense. And I think in addition to continued fears about the virus being a downside risk, we also have a number of fiscal issues that could become important here in terms of weighing on the economy as we go forward in the coming weeks and months. We have PPP funding that's going to start running out for some businesses. We also have supplement unemployment insurance benefits that's going to run out at the end of July. And we also have a tax deadline that was delayed into July 15th coming up as well. So a lot of things to watch out for here that could be downside risk for the economy, even though it does look like, at least for now, we're seeing activity pick up fairly rapidly off that low base. That wraps up our discussion for today. Jesse, thanks for joining me. Stay tuned for more episodes of At Any Rate. JP Morgan's global research podcast series coming soon. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please read JP Morgan research reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2020 JP Morgan Chase and Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded in June 2020.